chance to feel like heroes too Forever we'll win And if we should lose We know someday we'll go all the way Yeah, someday we'll go all the way Welcome back to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest is our old friend, Jared Willis. He's been on a few times. And, you know, we're just talking about this baseball situation right now, which is not very good. I don't know what's going to happen. Right now, you know, you got Rob Manfred saying, well, maybe we won't have a season. So, you know, that's suboptimal. But uh, Jared and I talk it out and try to figure out, find a bottom to this, you know, dispute between the two sides. Um, then we talk about the Sammy Sosa Mark McGuire documentary, which frankly was not very good. It was no last dance. Let's put it that way. But Jared and I try to figure it all out. Hopefully we entertain you a little bit. And here is Jared. Okay, Jared. Uh, welcome back to Holy Cow. It's always good to have you on here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always good to uh, to be on, even under these uh, unfortunate baseball circumstances right now. Yes. All right, so I guess we might as well dive right into this thing. A lot of not good news today. Uh, Commissioner Manfred saying after, what, five days ago, saying uh, we're going to have a season 100%, no doubt. Now he's saying... We might not have a season unless the players agree to completely waive any legal action, you know, grievances or any, you know, lawsuits if there's infections or whatever. And the players, of course, are outraged by this. And what do we make of this situation right now? It doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't sound good at all um, because – I mean, for a lot of different reasons, but the I think the biggest standout to me is is you is it just does not appear as if the owners and you know the owners as represented by Rob Manfred have ever really been serious about trying to negotiate something with the players in order to make a season of some sort happen. Because I think with regularity, we were seeing that on the players' side, they were you know they were pretty clear about what they wanted, while at the same time the players were showing a willingness to compromise. Um, you know, they kept giving on like how many games they were going to play and that sort of thing. But it's been, yeah, this super quick reversal on, you know, he went from just a few days ago, we're going to have a season. And it just kind of felt like a matter of, all right, let's find out the parameters and then get this thing going. And then boom, all of a sudden it's no. Um, and it, it sure like today, as we're talking about this, it feels like there's just not going to be a season at all. Um, and, and really, again, to me to kind of circle back, it, it's so much of it has to do with the fact that the owners just, it felt like they kept moving the target, um, on the players and then kept kind of shifting what, what they were, what they were shooting for. It kind of felt like in this, this what happened today, kind of like Charlie Brown going to kick the football and then getting it pulled away from him. So, so now do you think this is, you think like a lot of people are thinking this was a deliberate strategy. The owners were always going to 
try to drag this out as much as possible? Or do you think this is just like how things went, like the negotiations? Um, that's, yeah, I mean, I think it probably is a little bit of a mixture of the two. To some extent, it's it's how things went. But I think a lot of it was driven by the fact that, it, yeah, I, I think the owners were dragging their feet because their motivation has been pretty clear from the beginning. This was about saving as many dollars for themselves as they possibly could. So because every like if you go back and look, every proposal that they sent to the players or every idea that they floated all came down to the same dollar amount that they wanted to pay out in salaries. And it was just really a question of like, how can we shift things around so that at the end of the day, we're still only paying you X amount of dollars. And so I think their approach all along was let's push this along as, as long as we can and try to force their hands because they knew that if it came down to it, Manfred could say, all right, here's, here's your season. Here's what you're going to do. Um, and they had it kind of like the ultimate Trump card there. So, um, it's been kind of a bad faith negotiation from the beginning. And again, very much on the owner's side. Um, They had just have not, I don't think shown the players much respect at all. So that leads me to the question then, do the owners actually want this very small season? Or do you think they're willing to just chuck it all? Oh, I think they're definitely willing to chuck it all. I don't think, and I'm, and I'm saying they, as if all 30 owners are on the exact same page. I'm sure if you were to actually have the opportunity to talk to each, each, you know, owner for every team, you'd, you'd probably find a few who are like, man, I'd really just love for there to be a season. Um, and then a few, if you could get them to admit it, who would say, I don't want there to be a season because I think what they don't want to have to do is pay player salaries without the normal type of revenue that they would have. They bank on, having games played where there's fans in the stands and merchandise and food and things like that being purchased, or at least that's what they're, they're kind of presenting to us as if, Hey, if we don't, if we can't have games with fans there, then we're going to go broke. But as, and I can't take credit for this, um, drawing a blank on who tweeted it today, but like the Marlins have been playing in essentially an empty stadium for 15 years, but didn't stop them from, doling out some pretty pretty big contracts and being sold for close to a billion dollars not that long ago so um i think we have to seriously question this notion that baseball teams need stadiums full of fans in order to make any money well that's the other thing too it's just with this whole thing is that with the logic i always figured then was they wanted the playoff money so the idea was to have as short a season as possible but they still have playoffs mm-hmm. Because that playoff money was so valuable, but now is that not valuable? Or I'm very confused by what they're yeah. trying to do. Well, and and I was with you where I thought that with the short season and then an expanded playoff, especially that felt like a really great opportunity for. Okay, you're not going to make as much money during the regular season as you normally would, but here's a chance to you know recoup some of that through an expanded playoff. Um, but then again, very suddenly, it just felt like they just said, well, to heck with that. They tossed that idea aside. Um, I'm not I, like you. I'm not really sure I understand why it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It seems like a missed opportunity for some compromise. Like 
the players had said, fine, we'll play your 50-game season. We'll play with prorated salaries. Just give us an expanded playoff because that's something that could benefit both sides. But for whatever well, reason. Yeah, it's just like yeah. it's like they're playing chicken like over yeah. and over again. Like, and I don't get what the logic. It was like preparation for after next season when the CBA expires or like pre-fighting the battle. I don't get it. Well, and this is where, yeah, because I've wondered that, too. Is this just about testing the waters for the next CBA negotiations at the end of next year? Um, And I think that this was like, maybe it's an effort to do some union busting, you know, try to develop some rifts within the players union so that they they have an easier time doing these negotiations in 2021. But I... I mean, it's hard to know without like really talking to a bunch of different players, but at least to me, what we're seeing is a pretty unit, what seems like a very unified sentiment coming from the players that they are together, very frustrated, very unhappy. And so what I wonder is if this, if that was the owner's plan, it almost seems like maybe it's backfired a little bit where now instead of driving the players apart it's actually kind of galvanized them and brought them more together so that they're going to come to these negotiations which with a much more unified much stronger front and which, like, which would explain why the owners are acting so oddly now because this isn't working the way they expected it, it to work yeah it could be maybe they're and, and that may help explain this really strange flip in the last few days like wait a minute, this, what we've been trying to do all along, just it, it either isn't working or worse for them is having the opposite effect. Um, so now, well, screw you guys. We just won't have a season at all because you can't, I mean, this, this idea of like asking them to waive legal rights, like that's, you, you can't ask an employee to do that because that, that, that creates just, it's such a Pandora's box of possibilities where things that could happen with a player or even a player's family, and, and they've lost the right to to grieve that. That's that's no one in their right mind should ever waive that right. Yeah, no, the whole thing is just that, and you know, you combine it with this minor league, you know, restructuring plan, and there's a lot of like damage being done to baseball's brand, and you just yeah. you you worry about the long term implications of all this. Yeah, and I think that's that's a legitimate worry, and I think, and I know that there's a lot of people who will they'll kind of poo-poo it and they'll say, oh, you know, fans came back after 1981 and they came back after 1994, but I, I think there is a limit though to like you you push the fans and push the fans and push the fans, and at some point, like you've just you've broken what you've what you've made because we all know the the issues the average fan age just keeps climbing because younger people are not gravitating toward baseball and this kind of thing doesn't help overall attendance keeps going down and the if you look at the tv ratings for the world series they have dropped steadily from like since like the early 80s it's been a consistent decline even with some of like the great world series that we've had um in just in this decade there's it's been overall a steady drop um, people just don't care as much about the sport. And so if you take the sport away for this season, maybe next season, maybe even the year after that, 
Um, good luck getting it back. And then, like you mentioned, you throw in what they're doing to the minor leagues, which is completely about like, this is what happens when you have owners who own baseball teams and see them only as investments. How can I make money from this? How can I wring every possible dollar from this? That, that's when you make decisions like this. Um, these are clearly not people who own baseball teams because they care about baseball at all. Yeah, it just that's what it feels like. And you're just, yeah, it's like how much damage can you do to yourself in the short term to save? You know, you save a little bit of money in the short term, but the long term yeah. effect is like, yeah, I just, I don't get it. And and I think part of my fear too is some of these guys, some of these owners, they they understand that they're doing long term damage to the sport, but they don't care because their intention is, well, I, I'm I'm investing and in, and when I think it's the right time, I'm going to get out, I'm going to sell my team or I'm going to sell my shares in this team and move on. Um, again, because. I'm not a, I don't own this team because I love baseball. I don't own this team because I even care about baseball. I own it because I want to make some money. Um, and in that case, yeah, in that case, then you just, it's about the short term. You're getting yeah. all the money you can out of it. And right. then you flip it. it. Exactly. It's yes, they're flipping it. This is a flip for them. So they don't care what baseball is going to be like in 10 years because they don't, they're not going to be around anymore. They're going to move on to the next thing. It's it's very similar, I think, to what you see with these these companies that like buy a newspaper group and then just slice and dice the staff um, down to the absolute bare bones and wring some money out of it and then move on. It's I, we're seeing it kill the journalism industry um, with newspapers, magazines like ESPN, the magazine, Sports Illustrated. Um, the same kind of thing that's happening there is what we're seeing. In, in baseball especially, it seems to be worse in baseball than any other professional sport. Well, you know, I'd like to talk about some mildly <laughs> happier stuff than this. Cause uh, it's, 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 it's a tough time for that, yeah. It really is. I'm, I I should ask her, there, there hasn't been much good baseball news, but I just want to ask you, what have you been writing about to fill the gap in the baseball world? Yeah, it's it's been unfortunately it's been a lot of just writing about kind of where the negotiations have stood and things that have happened as far as you know I had to write about like the A's announcing that they were going to stop paying their minor leaguers and furlough employees and those kinds of things all the types of stuff that I really would rather not have to write about I'd love to especially now like in June I'd love to be writing about you know players that are excelling in some way or doing something special or unusual but it's yeah i felt very much like it's just been a lot of negotiations talk so we'll see uh, after this i don't it's it's going to get even tougher um where things go from here yeah and uh, you know i've been just i talked about this on the podcast before but I, we've been uh, me and um ryan davis who you know have mm-hmm. been writing simulations of a cup season uh, played on MLB The Show. So that's been my article yeah. <laughs> output lately. And that's an, it's, I've looked at some of those and I've seen there's a few places that are doing that. I think there's, I don't know, if, I think it might be The Athletic is doing something similar with the Pirates um, where they're just simulating the season. But yeah, I mean, and we had that like that players tournament where they, they played each other in MLB The Show. And so we've gotten some a little bit of that baseball fix and then 
this uh did you watch the the long gone i did i did so what what were your thoughts on that well basically it was very cardinal focused which i guess i shouldn't be surprised about but because the guy was from he's he's basically from st louis yeah yes he's a he's a cardinal fan but yeah it just wasn't very it focused on mcguire and it was just like they didn't really talk about um the ped stuff and stuff till the very end of the show and it was just like kind of like a, a regurgitation of the old stuff you've seen about this over and over yeah and it just wasn't very satisfying now maybe being a cubs fan if i was a cardinal fan i'd be a little more pleased with it but yeah it just yeah. was kind of hollow yeah i was um i felt kind of the same way it was very mcguire heavy and I did not like the way that he mixed in clips from like modern day. Yeah. With, you know, you see shots of like Bush, you know, Bush Stadium now or Wrigley Field now, which yeah, is like the scoreboard. Like, yeah, with like right. the scoreboard edited out and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, which was just like, that's not, you know, just use footage from that time period. Use the footage that there's enough, that was only 22 years ago. There's plenty of footage you can use. Um, but yeah, that part just felt, it was really strange. I didn't like that. And there were, but, and, and honestly, like, it's kind of like what you said. I didn't feel like I was really learning anything new about it. There wasn't any insight or there wasn't anything where I was like, oh, I didn't know that before. I didn't know that already. So, um, it's a shame because that was, I think. I think 1998 was probably the last time that a baseball season like captivated the country. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had like a world series, you know, where, where everybody's really like into it, you know, when the Red Sox won it in 2004. And then of course, when the Cubs won it in 2016, I think there was, you know, the whole country gets sucked into it then, but like 98 was probably, I mean, I can't think of another time since then, but I think that was honestly, that was the last time that like the whole country was following the season from April or May all the way up until the end. So I think there was an opportunity for something pretty cool there and it just didn't, didn't quite hit the mark for me. Yeah. It it was like, I almost get the sense that it was like they, they took something that was a big story and they like narrowed it down into like a small story. You know what I mean? They didn't blow it out. They put it very, like, almost into, like, we're going to take you into the clubhouse at Bush Stadium with the Cardinals, they, which could work, but I don't think – I thought they should have blown it out. Yeah, because there was, there was so much – I mean, you, and, and it sort of, like, dabbled in different things. Like, there was references to the 94 strike. Um, but, you know, that – that home run race gets a lot of credit for reviving baseball's popularity or helping to revive the popularity after that strike. So, you know, that's a big part of it. Like you said, the steroids question was a big part of it. Um, you, you know, know I, I would have liked to see a little bit more about like Roger Maris too. That would have right, been, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, and, and I think, yeah. And especially given that sometimes people watch these 30 for thirties who aren't necessarily like diehard fans of that sport or of that thing. So give them some more context for why it's such a big deal that, 
Maris hit 61 homers in 1961 or Babe Ruth, especially with Babe Ruth. We go back, back, go back and look at home run totals <laughs> from the 1920s. And in the fact that Babe Ruth was hitting 60 home runs by himself, is just, it's insane. Um, and so, yeah, some more of that context for like, here's why this matters. Here's why this is such a big deal. Um, why it took so long from, you know, 1961 to 1998 for someone to hit that mark. Um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of more depth that could have been there that just, yeah, didn't feel like it was. And I guess, you know, it's one of those things, I guess, you want to get Sosa and McGuire to be in the documentary, and would they be yeah. willing to talk about this stuff? And sometimes, I guess, they, you trade access for maybe not as good a story. Yeah, there is, some, you know, you, you do run into that where the player agrees, but there are certain things they're just not going to talk about or questions they won't answer because they've been asked 200 times already and they're just done talking about it. Um, you know, and that's, yeah, that's certainly a possibility. And I guess credit to the guy for getting both players involved because that would have felt even more weird if he, one or both of them was kind of missing from the documentary. So, um, and I do think we were a little bit spoiled by just having seen The Last Dance, this huge, you know, mega series with so much access and so much extra footage that nobody had seen before. And that set the bar so high. So who knows, maybe had this documentary come out in like March, we'd feel differently about it. Yeah, probably it would have been. Yeah, because there was going to be, The Last Dance was going to be at the end of all these other documentaries. It was yeah. supposed to come out after the finals. Yeah, I think sometime later at, at the end of this month. So, and they, you know, of course, pushed it up just to give everybody some something sports related to watch and talk about, which we're all thankful for. But yeah, I think it may have <laughs> made may have made things harder for for documentaries like this one. Right. So, that's based on that, is it time for Sammy Sosa to just be welcome back already? Isn't this getting a little bit? Old all this stuff. Yeah, I think it is, and I think when Tom Ricketts, for two or three years ago at the Cubs convention, made basically said, I don't remember his exact words, but that Sammy owes the Cubs an apology, or he he needs to admit to using steroids, which is just like, I mean, number one, like please don't, owner of a baseball team, try to take some sort of moral high ground Mm -hmm. or. Don't presume to lecture a player who you had no connection to. Um, he didn't play while you owned the team. Um, so, you know, spare us all that. So I think he needs to let go of that idea and just accept, like, embrace the fact that Sammy was, I, I, I would say, one of the most exciting, dynamic, talented players who has ever put a Cubs uniform on. There's a lot of people who are Cubs fans and baseball fans, period, because of Sammy Sosa. And to just ignore him is is just not – you just can't do that. So no. um, let him – when baseball returns in 2021 or, or whenever, have him come out, throw out a first pitch. You know he's going to do it. If the Cubs call him and say, all right, Sammy, let's have Sammy Sosa day at the ballpark, he's mm-hmm. there. And, and the fans are going to love it because I think I would guess that the majority of Cubs fans want to see him around. They want to mm-hmm. see him around the team, would be excited to see him throw out a first pitch, sing the seventh inning stretch, whatever he wants to do. Um, 
so they you know they can just love on the guy because yeah he left the team under bad terms in 2004 but you know what player plays that many years with a team and never has any sort of you know there's there's always going to be a little something no matter what well that's a if people are younger or weren't Cubs fans during this time Sammy Sosa was such people would wait until his at bats were over at Wrigley Field and then we like people waited <laughs> yeah. out they came just to see him like right. in 01 oh, and yeah. 2002 yeah. and stuff it was all he was yeah. a huge deal there were there were games I went to back then that I was going just to see Sammy Sosa bat so um yeah, so that's that's absolutely true, and I, you you would see it where once he had taken what looked like his last at bat of the day, then people would start to leave. So, yeah, he's he's too big of a part of Cubs history to just ignore him. Exactly, but I guess and that's you know what the records do. It's like first of all, you weren't owners, but he increased the value of the Cubs what thirty fold. He way infused them. Maybe not yeah. that much, but a lot. But but yeah, I mean, he made. I mean, if you take what the Cubs would have been through the '90s and early, very early 2000s without him, um, that's a much much different team with a much different level of like popularity and national recognition and and just local popularity too. So yeah, I think in the grand scheme of things, when the Ricketts are ready to buy the team just a few years after he leaves, that's it's a yeah, it's a little more valuable because of having him there all right well i guess i'll ask you one more question uh since the season got you know canceled give me your case for why kentucky would have won the ncaa tournament (laughs) oh man we're just moving from one like sore spot uh to another but yeah and honestly like that feels like a lifetime ago when i was thinking Mm -hmm. about like march madness but I, here's why, and I'm going to keep it try to try to keep it simple. They were what you watch for in the in in March with college basketball is the team that is just kind of getting hot there toward the end. Kentucky had had some weird losses, bad losses during the regular season, but they were looking really solid, really hot going into you know what, what was supposed to be the SEC tournament. So um, that's my you know that's that's my pitch for them is they were just it's Kentucky, so there are always going to be a lot of lots of talent on the roster. But they were they were just playing well. They were clicking in in the right kind of way that you want to see going into the tournament. So it, it's a shame. It's a shame that they they didn't get to see that through. Yes, because I I've been thinking about that with all um, college basketball fans that everyone has a case to make for their mm-hmm. team if they're going to the tournament. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean anybody can. You know, you you could you can claim it like, hey, why not? Because we'll never know. It only lives, <laughs> it only exists in our minds. And who knows? Maybe we'll say the same for this year's World Series. Like, hey, had they played this season, here's here's why the Cubs would have won the World Series. And exactly, you know, no one can prove you wrong. That's right. All right. Well, I hope there is a season that we can talk about some games. Maybe the players and owners and or the owners can get their act together and we can have a season, but I guess if they, we don't, we don't, I hope we do though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm holding out a small amount of hope that they'll, 
that something's going to happen here in this next next couple of days. Well, uh, I'll just ask. Um, you can find your articles on Forbes.com. Yeah, almost exclusively there right now. Um, I had been doing a little, a few things for the Associated Press. Um, I'd actually covered some basketball games back in like January and February. Um, and was going to be doing some baseball work for them. And hopefully if the season res- or begins, um, you'll see me doing some Associated Press stuff too. Uh, but yeah, for now, keep an eye out on uh, Forbes Sports. All right. And on Twitter... Yes, J-W-Y-L-L-Y-S. All right. Well, Jared, thank you for coming on. It's always good to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm on Twitter at SDH85. You can subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or Stitcher. And, you know, I'll keep you informed when we have actual baseball to talk about we will probably do more podcasts if the season doesn't happen i will be back but i don't know in what form or uh with who so on that upbeat note thank you as always for listening